Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, your host of Everything Cooperative. We have so much to be excited about today. This is a great Thursday morning in the Capitol. Uh, The sun is up. We're up. And we have as our guest, Mr. Chuck Gould, who is the executive director of the International Cooperative Alliance. And we're going to talk about co-ops around the world this morning. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Vernon. How are you today? Thank you for inviting me. I'm very good. Appreciate this opportunity. We're so glad that you've taken time out of your busy, busy schedule to be with us this morning. And you're in London this morning? I am in London today, absolutely. And so it's a five-hour right. difference, but it's about 3.35 there in the p.m. It is, 3.30 p.m. on an election day here, actually, a big election going on. Okay. Well, we like elections in this co-op model, this co-op business model. So tell me, what are you guys doing in the International Cooperative Alliance these days? Well, can I give you a little background, just make sure everybody understands who we are, and then that maybe will make what we're doing make a little more sense. So we're the, the global association for cooperatives around the world. So we have members in 100 countries that are some of the larger cooperatives or cooperative associations like NCBA there in the U.S. Uh, NCB, one of your, your sponsors there, is one of our members we're very proud of. We were set up in 1890s, 1895, so this is actually our 120th uh, year anniversary. And our general purpose is to advance and promote the cooperative model. So that's what we're trying to do today, and I can give you some specifics over the next uh, the course of your program here, how, how that's going. Advance and promote cooperatives? Absolutely. We want to make sure that people in the world understand what the cooperative is, how it can change their lives, how it's improving society, and how they can be part of it. Well, that's exactly why NCB is sponsoring this program, to get people to understand cooperatives, uh, the benefits of cooperatives, and this wealth of history. You said 18, and how many years are you all celebrating? 100 and 120 years now. 1895 is when we were set up, and of course the cooperative model goes back beyond that. It was arguably the modern cooperative movement goes back to the uh, Manchester, uh, England area in the 1860s when it, it really started to, to come together, and many people looked to what, what are called the Rochdale Pioneers. Rochdale is a small community in the greater metro, uh, metropolitan area of Manchester where uh, individuals came together in the Industrial Revolution and came up with a a better way to do business. A better way of doing business, yes, (laughs) this cooperative business model, which is what I fell in love with, not having seen anything about it until about 20 years ago when I started managing properties, uh, housing co-ops in and around the District of Columbia that I found about it and fell in love, passionate with what it does. And that's what you are doing around the world, telling people about the cooperative and the benefits of them. So how, how do you do that? A hundred countries, that's a huge mandate. Well, the, the advantage is, is the cooperative model itself, which is so locally driven that there's so much energy on the ground that what we've done is to not try to 
you know, it's not a top-down model. So we don't have a large office with lots of people. We are structured in a way that tries to give our members different points of access to what they need. And I can explain what that means. We have we have four regional offices. So the one for the Americas, North and South America, and Central America, is in Costa Rica, yeah. uh, San Jose, Costa Rica. We have one in New Delhi for Asia and the Pacific. There's one in Brussels for Europe and one in Nairobi, Kenya for Africa. So members know that they can they can access information that's more relevant to their region through those offices, or they can also access information and expertise through what we call sectors. So we have a sector group for, well, housing, you mentioned. So one of our sectors is for housing cooperatives. There's one for health cooperatives. There's one for insurance, one for financial cooperatives, for fisheries, for agriculture, for consumers. Uh, so these are different ways that cooperatives on the ground can can find information. And then what we try to do more more centrally is to really focus on media and on intergovernmental policy. You know, uh, Dame Pauline Green has been on the program, mm-hmm. and she's the chair of ICA. She is. She's the, the president. So she's elected by the members uh, to to represent them. So you are the executive director. That's right. That's right. So I'm the, the paid staff, if you will, and, the, and she is the, um, the individual who the members elect uh, every four years the presidency is elected. So I've talked on this program a lot about governance and management, and so she represents governance and president of the she association, does. and you represent management making sure that whatever governance policies and procedures and directions are that you carry them out. Is that Absolutely. So if I say anything on this program that contradicts something she said when she was on the program, you let me know. Uh, <laughs> what she said will be the one that's right. Okay. The main thing I took away from what she said is that co-ops gives people, no, she said that co-ops brings people out of poverty with dignity. And I, I have I have attached on to that motto. I, I like it a lot, and that's around the world. So, how, so going back to what do you do now? We have a sense of how long you started at eighteen ninety five, one hundred and twenty years, and you have four regional office with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven sectors. This is a major piece. And Chuck, we have met a couple times, and I don't remember I, I, was it at the uh, White House or at the UN. Uh, when we yeah, the year of the, year of the cooperative 2012. Yep, I think so. At, at any rate, then, and that of course was a real opportunity for us to raise the visibility of the of the uh, cooperative uh, cooperative movement, and we used that to develop um, a strategy that we call the blueprint for a cooperative decade, because we we wanted to make sure that we didn't just have this international year that the United Nations uh, gave us as a gift and just celebrate it, and then nothing changed, and life went on. We knew that the the year would go quickly. So we wanted to take advantage of that to really do some planning that year, to to leverage that year to become more of a decade. And it's that blueprint that has five key strategies in it that's really driving what we do now for for these years. The reason I brought that up was exactly what you just said, and I wanted the audience to know that the 2012, the United Nations declared 2012 as the year of the cooperative, and I got the opportunity to go to the UN for the first time in my life, and it was exciting. 
And to see uh, a huge room of people from all over the world talking about co-op, whether it was from Russia or China, Costa Rica, the U.S., any, all over the world, India, people talking about what they do together, not at, related to politics or religion, or it's what we're doing to improve our communities cooperatively. And so I think that's where we met. What do you want to do? Do you want to talk about the blueprint, uh, how, how you're doing? Yep, I'd like to talk about uh, about the blueprint in particular and some of the initiatives that we have underway in that. But let me say about your UN visit that we can we can get you more opportunities to uh, to, to get in front of people at the, at the United Nations. We're working there on a, on a regular basis. In fact, our policy office is there in Washington, and our director of policy is uh, is, is right there in your backyard. And we're always looking for articulate spokespeople of the cooperative model. It is much more compelling when policymakers hear from cooperators who are on the ground working, people who are in positions like yours where you see so many different examples. That's much more persuasive than if we're in there all the time telling them what uh, what we've seen uh, secondhand or thirdhand. So we'll uh, we'll call back to you again. But I, I would like to to focus on what we are doing. Uh, both at the UN and, and in some other uh, some other important policy forums, and then what we're doing under the blueprint. Chuck, we're going to have to take a break. That always happens here. To, and so we've just finished the first segment, and we only have three more to go, and we have a lot of information to give you about what's happening around the world. If you, anybody out there have a question for me or Chuck or a comment, you can call in at 1-800-450-7876. I started not to give out the number today because Chuck has so much great information to give us. But if you do have a quick question, please call in at 1-800-450-7876. And, you know, don't touch the dial. We'll be right back to see what the ICA is doing in the next 10 years, what they've already done and what they're doing to make sure that people know about this cooperative model and how helpful it can be to our communities and our world. We'll be right back. 1450 WOL. Information is power. You know, that's uh, WOL's motto, and that's one of the reasons they've, they've been an excellent partner with us bringing you this program on the power that you get out of cooperative, out of working together, out of pooling resources and talents and skills to solve community problems. There's a gentleman on a program by the name of Papa Sin that said if co-ops solve community problems, if there's no community problem, there's no need for a cooperative. And today we have Mr. Charles Gould on the line, who is the executive director of the International Cooperative Alliance, talking to us about the things that the ICA is doing around the world to let people know about cooperatives. Chuck, you were getting ready to talk about your blueprint. I was, and, and uh, let, me, let me say first that there's five areas in this blueprint, and we've taken the kind of a long-term perspective. You know, a lot of times uh, a strategy is for a year or two years or three years, and we're trying to make change that's lasting, and that's something about cooperatives that has always been true, and that is they're very sustainable, and they take the long-term perspective. They're not in, in it for the short term. And so the problems that we face, the challenges that we need to overcome, are not going to be solved overnight. And so when we created this blueprint in the international year, 2012, we took a decade-long horizon. So we're, we're looking toward 2020. It's got five areas in it where we think we need to see game-changing strategies if we're going to achieve what we see as 
tremendous promise right now for the cooperative model. And the reason we think that this is a particularly important time for cooperatives is we think that we have a generation coming up next that really gets it, that is inclined toward collaboration. They're inclined toward cooperation. They, they don't uh, they, they've learned through the internet, through through kind of this wiki generation, if you will, that you're better off sharing information openly through open source technology, through Wikipedia, through through similar kinds of social media. That that's better. They can personally benefit more if they do that than if they try to keep information tightly held, close to the chest, and competitive. And when you have a group of people that have that have been that have grown up that way, that have seen how that works. They're more inclined to, to, to understand how a cooperative model can benefit a community and, and can benefit the individuals. Now, to really take advantage of that opportunity, we think that we have to make some real changes in, in, in what we've been doing. And, and a big part of that is really getting the word out about cooperatives. So for too long, we've been, we've been happy if the people who have already found this get it and understand it and are, and are doing well. But we haven't really been as aggressive as we we now need to be to get this word out. So one of the five areas in the blueprint is identity, is trying to raise the awareness of the cooperative model. You know, uh, Chuck, in the United Nations and then we had another meeting at the White House, what was kept being said was it's the best kept secret in the world, Mm -hmm. this cooperative business model. And that's why uh, Chuck Snyder from the National Co-op Bank, matter of fact, he was one of the persons that said that, uh, he is helping to sponsor this program so we can get out this message to the everyday person because it is a message for the everyday person, for the common person, to get together either to join a co-op, whether it's a credit union or housing co-op or a worker cooperative, or to start one. We're, and you talked about, uh, I think it was 1844 in Rochdale, England, when, when some People working with fabric got together as a group. They're normally the lowest paid people around, uh, and they formed their own business. And they could share the profit. They could put the money in and share the profits. And this is where these seven, we talk normally talk about the seven principles of co-op on the show. Sometimes we talk about the values. But most, most shows, I talk about the principles because I really, really like them, particularly the fifth one, education, training, and information. And you're saying that identity is one of your key principles to your to your blueprint, and that's getting out this knowledge about cooperatives, uh, educating people about cooperatives. So I totally agree with that principle. What's some of the other principles? Well, how are you doing that first? How are you getting the word out? Well, there's a couple key ways. So we, we do what we can at the International Cooperative Alliance to get information out, not about the International Cooperative Alliance. We don't think that's so very interesting. Mm-hmm. What we try to do is get information about cooperatives, and there are such great stories, and some of them are just amazing. So people can find the whole blueprint on our website. It's, it's ICA.coop, and uh, from there you can also uh, find stories about cooperatives. It will link you over to stories.coop, which is a partnership we've developed uh, to help cooperatives place their stories and tell their stories. Um, so part of it is getting the word out. The other part, though, is to really helping cooperatives lead with their identity. So we think the best way for people to learn about cooperatives is to see what cooperatives are doing. And we have a couple of ways that cooperatives can do that. One is is through, a, through an Internet uh, address that is .coop. So I told you that our 
our website is ICA.coop. It's not ICA.com. It's not ICA.org. It's ICA.coop. And the cooperative community was one of the first communities to to get authorization to have uh, this high-level domain, if you will, the, the .coop. We think every cooperative around the world should have a cooperative uh, ID, and they can they can get that. They can go to our site, and they'll see how to do that. The other part is to use the cooperative image. So we discovered during the international year that cooperatives were very excited to use the logo for the international year. And we realized, although that logo had to be retired, it belongs to the UN and it was developed just for that year, and it wasn't really a long-term image, but we realized that there was the potential to create image that all cooperatives could use. And so we've done that. So now there's a global cooperative mark or or identity that we've developed and registered, and, and uh, cooperatives are free to use it. They have to register for it. And you can get there as uh, as well by going to our website uh, or go to identity.coop if you want a, a shorter way to get to both domain, to get the .coop domain and the, and the mark. So you, you can get it by going to ICA.coop or... Yep identity.coop. Yeah, now, yeah, you can always link all these things from our website. We have, um, that's the, Pat Norton, who's the director of this program, we're just opening up a web page for everything cooperative, and it is going to be everything.coop, and it should should launch in a couple of weeks here. So people can go on and, and hear this program, Chuck, about what you're saying, and so we want to keep it, keep it open. So we've done that, and it was real easy, easy, from the standpoint that what I find mostly in co-op, people are very helpful and very friendly and really easy to give you the information. So Pat said that it was wonderful contacting the people and getting the information to open up our own uh, web page. Oh, I'm delighted Thank to you. hear that. And, and your example of the name, everything.coop, is, is actually a great, uh, a great point because so many names that you couldn't possibly get on .com are available on .coop. And we need to be more creative about using that, not just for a, a specific cooperative name, but for all these other kinds of, of uh, promotion and advancement and marketing ideas. There's lots of things available. Well, in D.C., there's a, there's a webpage called coopdc.com, and where you can go on and see what's going on in the co-op world in Washington, D.C., metropolitan area. But I, I really would have liked them to have said dc.coop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Well, well, we'll get there. Yes. So well, identity is, is is in part, it's our getting out the stories. It's uh, in part about cooperatives leading with their identity by getting a .coop domain. In part, that's about image. It's also about who you are, what your what your true identity is. And you mentioned the, the principles. I'm glad you did because the, the alliance is the steward of those cooperative principles. And we, we take that seriously. Our members adopt – we have members in 100 countries, and they adopted those uh, in uh, 1995, the most recent iteration. And what we've, we've, we've been so successful that now our challenge is to try to make them last without changing them. And the reason for that is because they've now been adopted by the United Nations, by the International Labor Organization. They've been – put word for word into some country's legislation. And so we want to make sure that we don't change the actual wording of them too often. And they're high-level principles, so they should last. 
So what we're doing now is we're, we've developed a, a set of guidance notes that interpret emerging issues around the principle so that they remain relevant and meaningful and much it's more of a living document that way. And that's another part of what we're doing in the blueprint to make sure that the cooperatives don't, uh, principles don't scale and lose their resonance with this next gener generation. And the guidance notes, we think, are the way to do that. So we're going to be launching a consultation process uh, in the coming uh, com just next few days uh, on that, and there'll be uh, there'll be a way to access that as well from our uh, from our website. You know, as as time moves on, uh, we have to take another break in a minute. So when we come back, um, you got four more principles to go over, and we have two more segments. So can you talk about perhaps the first and second principle of the next? Uh, 15 minutes, and then we'll do the fourth and fifth one, and the last one. Oh, okay, that sounds okay. good. I'll, I'll weave that uh, into the brief because that's what they're based on. Okay. Can you just tell me in a 15 seconds, how big is the co-op uh, model around the world? Yep, there is about, we think about a billion individuals who are members of cooperatives. They're in virtually every sector. We think there are 250 million people who make their employment through the uh, the cooperative sector, make their livelihood. Now, 25 million are actually employees. About 225 million have organized their livelihood through a cooperative, like farmers and so forth. We'll be right back, Chuck. Thank you so okay. very much. We'll be right back. News updates on the web at woldcnews.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Everything Cooperative. This is Vernon Oaks talking to you about the benefits of cooperatives and the National Cooperative Bank is sponsoring this program. Their mission is to help cooperatives grow by supporting and being an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, placing special emphasis, listen, special emphasis on serving the needs of communities that are economically challenged. Now, this is most banks, this is just, this would not work because most banks go to communities that have a lot of economy and people that have a lot of their economics is very, very strong. They Banks normally look for one, well, they look for three things. They look for getting their money back. They look for getting their money back and they look for getting their money back. So they normally go to people that can give them their money back. And so NCB has a tremendous mission to try to help uh, communities that are economically challenged. And today, Mr. Chuck Gould from, uh, where are you originally from, Chuck? Were you from the U.S. or from Britain? No, I am from the U.S., and I was um, I was in Washington for some years, but I consider uh, Minnesota to be my home, actually. Okay, okay. I, I saw your resume. You went to Oxford, too, so that's what I was kind of, who, who, who are you from? Okay. <laughs> so we're talking about the blueprints, and you talked about identity, and I will take you up anytime. I, I appreciate you saying that I could be articulate, the spokesperson for cooperative. Uh, at least I took that as a compliment. But if anytime you want me to go to UN or anywhere else to talk about co-ops, I'll be more to because I've taken on a life life mission to promote co-ops. I think they are absolutely wonderful for values and principles and what we get done to help people create wealth and, and knowledge. So with that said, you talked about identity, and that's getting that message out. So you wanted to go to the first two, if you will, fingers of your five fingers of, of your blueprint. I, I will. So you mentioned the first uh, the first couple of principles too, which of the seven, which are voluntary and open membership and democratic member uh, control, and those those actually 
line up very well with the first principle, the first strategy in the, in the blueprint. So the five strategies in the blueprint are participation, sustainability, identity, which we talked about, legal framework, and capital. And you can find all this on our website, ICA.coop. Participation and sustainability, the first two, we think of as differentiators for the cooperative model. They're, we think we're better in these areas. We, we think that these are two areas that really differentiate us from other business models. For example, we believe in participation that we're the most participatory uh, model of business. And we believe in sustainability, the second category, that cooperatives are, by design, more, more focused on sustainability, more inclined towards sustainability. We take a long-term view. We care about the community. We're not strictly about one thing. That is, we're not, we do want to lift livelihoods. We want to lift people out of poverty. But we're not only about profit. And so our members are constantly balancing the effect on the community versus the the uh, the ability to return uh, the investment back to their back to their members. So in participation and in sustainability, we are working to get the public to understand that that is core to our model, and we think that those are very positive and very strong messages now because we think in the first one participation people want a voice. They're so discouraged by the these large social factors that have dominated their lives, multinational corporations and large systems that they have no control over, and they want to have a greater voice. You see that everywhere around the world. In unsustainability, we think that as well is a very strong and powerful message for the next generation that, that understands that we can continue to produce goods and services with the same disregard for the, for the effect that it has on the environment, on society, that, uh, that we have in the past. Let me, let me see if I, I want to, I do want to go over these seven principles because you brought up a couple. The first one is voluntary and open membership. The second is democratic member control. The third is members economic participation, and that's both putting money in and if our profits, if you will, is taking money out or getting, building wealth. The fourth one is autonomy and independence that they have to have autonomy and independence, that they have the say-so of how this enterprise goes. The fifth one, which is my favorite, education, training, and information, it's uh, transparency. Uh, the sixth one is cooperation among cooperatives. And the seventh one is concern for community, which you talked about. So I, I'm seeing in participation and the sustainability, you almost have all seven of those principles uh, at work to make sure that there is participation and sustainability any cooperative business enterprise that there is. Can you respond to that? Is that, is that making sense? It just came to me as you were talking. No, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think that uh, that is why participation and sustainability are so important and are leading the five strategy areas that we've identified. Now, when I get into a couple of the others, maybe in this last next segment, last segment, um, I can talk a little bit there about the member economic participation because the capital strand uh, of our of our blueprint is is also a very important one, but I, I think you're right. I think participation and sustainability really do touch on virtually all of these uh, these seven principles. So the seven principles are over.
writing everything we do, the blueprint and its five strategic areas are where we believe we need to act now with some key changes in order to make sure that we're being effective now as we can. What are some of those so changes? Hopefully they're very, very consistent. What are some of those changes you're, you're putting in place to do? So let me mention in, in that area a little bit about capital now, because what we're finding is that we need good data in order to make sure that we can uh, influence policymakers. Because one of, the, one of the changes that we need, this kind of ties together capital and legal framework a little bit, if, if you can, if you will. Mm -hmm. One of the changes we need is to make sure that policymakers at a global level understand the cooperative model. To do that, we need good data about the size and the impact of the cooperative model. We don't need them to think that we're a quaint model that works in interesting ways in small communities here and there. We need them to understand the scale and the impact. And that's why when we can say there's a billion people who are members, there's 250 million people who are getting their livelihood through, a co through cooperatives. When we can talk about some of these cooperatives are, are huge. The, the 300 largest cooperatives we now know through a report that we produce called the World Cooperative Monitor have a, a, an aggregate revenue, annual revenue, of over $2 trillion uh, U.S. dollars. Two, tr two trillion. Largest. Two trillion. How many okay. zeros is that? I mean, I guess nine zeros? Well, you, you go from, uh, well, you, let's see here. Yeah. No, 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 it's well. It's well. Because you, uh, you go from uh, six in, in, a, in a million to nine in a billion to 12 in a, in a trillion. So it's, it would be the size of those 300 of the sixth or seventh largest economy uh, in the world if you were to compare it with the, with the GDP of a country. Now, that says that cooperatives can have a huge economic impact. Now, they, they achieve that by scaling up. All of those are community-based that have created federations and have grown and have extended their reach still using the cooperative model. And that's important to our message because we need for policymakers to know that cooperatives are currently today, not, not in the future sometime, but today are operating at scale that has a significant impact. The other part of the message is that cooperatives are resilient. And we have good data that shows in an economic turn turndown, which we've certainly been in, that cooperatives don't decline in the same way that other business models do. And part of the reason for that is that we don't take unusual risks. We're not trying to maximize profit. We're trying to not to make profit at a cooperative. We're trying to help our members solve a particular problem and ensure that, that they can get access to the, to the inputs they need or, the, or access to the markets. Because of that, we're not taking unusual risks that make us prone to significant downturns when the economy changes. And because of that, our position is that we should be a much larger part and a well-supported part of the global economy because we modulate that risk that is in the economy. You know, I like the way you said. I want to say it a little bit differently, and that is when you look at the downturn that we just had in the U.S., the 0708 time frame, it was because some banks and mortgage companies created these loans that people really couldn't afford. They gave them a low interest rate on the, on the front end, and then it would go up. And when it went up and people all of a sudden, three years out, five years out, seven years out, they got a, a bump in their mortgage payments and they couldn't pay it and there's all of these foreclosures and it just tripled it was amazing 
that one foreclosure after another, how much it affected the whole economy. But the credit unions didn't have that problem because they didn't do those kinds of, of risk. They didn't take that gamble to try to make front-end money. So the, the last downturn we had was caused from what research I've done and study is caused by people wanting to make big dollars now, not considering what's going to happen in the future. And the credit unions did not take those kind of risks. And so they didn't have the same kind of foreclosures, nor did credit unions uh, go under or lose a lot of money. But the, the other thing I had a credit union person on here, Harriet May last year, who said that when the, when the government came in and put in laws, and you'll get to that in the next one, legal framework, they made the credit unions do the same kind of reporting that they made the banks and the mortgage brokers that caused the problem, and yeah. they didn't cause the problem. Yeah. And she said for their little co-op, uh, I mean credit union, they went from three, three people uh, uh, doing these reports to 13. So they had 10 people coming yeah. in and that yeah. expense because of what somebody else did wrong. <laughs> so we really got to get the framework together, and I'm looking forward to that conversation. I just had to put that in there. Uh, this unusual risk, because it it really does affect everybody. It affects the whole economy, and it affects the world. So well, we, I think you're right, and we, we use the, uh, the the credit unions in the U.S. as an example these days globally. Uh, CUNA, uh, the Credit Unions North America, the association there, is one of our, our members we're also really proud of. And they've seen this record growth, and it, and it really is, is heartwarming, because people people get it. People understand that the banks did them a disservice. And they trust credit unions, and they trust credit unions because they know their, who they're lending money to. They know their community. They're community-based. And people understand that they want a more sustainable model that they can trust and where they have a voice. And that's why that's an important part of our blueprint and why we're, we want to lead with those messages as part of our identity. What was the name of that? A better choice.coop? If they wanted to get a credit union, was that it? Or I'll see if I can no, find that web page. I think that's right. I remember. Uh, I remember uh, hearing that. Uh, it was a U.S. movement, and I remember hearing that. I think that might be right. Well, I'll look for that. But they've, they've seen record numbers uh, of, of increase. I know from talking to them, and it's uh, it's great to see. I can say a little more about our capital strategy. I was kind of watching. I don't know when you're going to move into your next break here, but let me let me just say on capital, because I mentioned kind of the 300 largest, and that's not really what we're all about, but that's an important part of our message to policymakers. What's also important for us is that cooperatives can get capital to, to grow, and that's what the capital uh, strategy is all about, because even though we're not capital-based, we still need capital for growth. We, we live in we live in a real world, and our challenge is finding capital that doesn't compromise member control. Uh, capital tends to come with strings, and the people who have it want to uh, want to control where they invest it, and that's something we have to to really to really watch. And so we have a blue ribbon commission we put in place that is helping us understand. What are the challenges in getting capital? What kind of capital is acceptable? How can we increase public capital? Do we need a new financial instrument that will help cooperatives? Can we make sure that they can get access to capitals in these emerging areas like green energy, some of which are capital intensive? So all of that is work underway and part is part of that blueprint strategy. And, and we're going to take our break and come back and okay. talk about capital. But the, the webpage was a smarter choice. A smarter choice.org. We've got to get them to dot co op to find a credit union. We'll be right back. Okay. 
1450 WOL. Information is power. We're giving you that information so that you can have the power. At Greenbelt Homes, they had a uh, plaque up that says that cooperatives gives people the tools they need to control their destiny. So we want to give you the information that if you use that information, you can control your life. You have a much better sense of saying how you're going to live and how your family lives. And we have Mr. Chuck Good on, a, uh, on the phone from London this morning talking to us about co-ops around the world and their blueprint the International Cooperative Lions have. You know, I, I quickly want to give you a definition of a co-op for those of you that have not been listening or want to know. It's any business you can think about could be a cooperative. If the business is owned by the employees, it's called a worker cooperative. If it's a business that the people that own the business that use the products or services, it's called a consumer cooperative. Credit unions are owned by the people that make deposits and have checking accounts at credit unions, and they normally have a staff that runs them. Uh, it's a consumer co-op, housing co-ops, which we mentioned already, the people that live in the housing multifamily or single-family homes. They own it. They they own the cooperative, and therefore it's called a consumer cooperative. You also have farmers that will try to come together to market market their products together. That's a marketing cooperative, and you have some businesses, artists, and farmers, and others that have come together and buy their products in bulk so they get a cheaper price. So uh, you have all kinds, and that's why we need to talk about legal framework because all jurisdictions, all countries don't have, are not favorable to having co-ops. And so that's the fourth uh, strategy that ICA has in their blueprint. So you want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing in that world? I'd like to know. Yeah, I'd, I'll do that. When the um, United Nations was, was established right after World War II, and they were putting together their systems in 1946-47, the International Cooperative Alliance was recognized right, right then in its earliest days in the United Nations as one of the handful of organizations at that time that was extended kind of a general consultative status. So that allows us to consult with them on topics in, in any in any category that comes up. And we have uh, exploited that uh, as best we can over the years to make sure that the United Nations understands the role of cooperatives and how we contribute to items that are important to them. So that's an important part of the, the intergovernmental work that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Now, there are also specialized agencies that we work with, like the Inter International Labor Organization and the Food and Agriculture Organization in, in Rome. And we, uh, we have uh, a great relationship with them. We have a regular meeting with those organizations uh, to talk about our common strategies, to talk about how we can support one another. And then we work hard to make sure that when the United Nations produces documents that we think will have impact in countries around the world, that the role of cooperatives is mentioned. So right now, for example, the sustainable development goals are, are a key focus of the United Nations. And these will be finalized at the end of this year. And this is really core to their post-2015 development agenda. Uh, they worked the past... Uh, well, more than a decade on the millennial uh, millennium development goals, and uh, now this is this is what we'll we'll, we'll uh, follow follow from that. And because we're so concerned about sustainability, we, we want to make sure that we're front and center in that work. So that's an important part of our policy work. Uh, we also, however, have have come to recognize as part of our blueprint uh, preparation when we were drafting it that increasingly there are other 
government bodies that are having great impact. And the G20, G8 are examples of that. It's just easier to get agreement with 20 member states than it is with every every country in the world in the UN. Mm-hmm. And so those those groups like the G20 are increasingly reaching agreements that have significant impact on their citizens and, and businesses. And so we've been very actively participating in the G20. There's a business advisory group called the B20 that advises the G20, which gets a little little heavy in acronyms, but the business group advises the government leaders on their business policies. And so we are uh, immersed in that process now. Uh, Turkey is hosting it this year, and, and we've been very actively involved in, in uh, trying to ensure that the cooperative voice is heard when these policies are, are set. You know, um, that's a huge undertaking because I just know here in the U.S. there's the states have – states, counties – have different uh, laws which can make it easy for co-ops to develop or harder. Um, my little property management business, I'm in the process of now about a year changing it to a worker cooperative. And it's been harder than I thought it would be. And it's mainly attitudes. Uh, people are so used to me making decisions, including me, and trying to get other folks to make decisions and taking that responsibility is a little bit, it's been difficult. Uh, both for all of the reasons we have a hierarchy society and that's how people have grown up, including me. So getting that change is what's been making it difficult. Uh, But we're on our way to it and we've got a uh, consultant that's helping us through that process. And one of the things I've learned and like about co-ops is that people give away, they just give away information. You go to any of these conferences, people in the hallways are just talking about how they do things. There's this, you mentioned it earlier. There's, there's not just I've got to, I've got to keep the information to myself because we're competing. It's that we're all cooperating and we're all wanting to solve issues and how can I help you kind of a thing. And I, I think that's what you've seen because that's what you've already talked about. Is that true? Oh, that's that's very true. And on, you know, on your first point about um, about trying to change the business and how hard it is, you know, part of that, I'm, I'm sure, is cultural and, and just uh, just change in general. But part of it, too, can be can be regulatory sometimes. And you mentioned uh, Harriet May, who was on your program from the credit union uh, movement, and how she was complaining or, or noting that uh, there are regulations that get passed sometimes because there was a problem with a different kind of model of business. And it applies to us, even though we're not really at risk of, the, of causing that kind of a problem. And that's another part of the work that we do in the legal framework is that even though at the International Cooperative Alliance, we don't get into, into a particular country's legislative activities, our, that's where our members are, mm-hmm. and, but we do try to provide them with resources so that they can make the best case. And uh, right now we're developing a, a report called the Doing Cooperative Business Report, and it's, it's modeled after World Bank report that looks at those kinds of factors around the world for business in general. What's the level of corruption in the country? How uh, can you access utilities? How uh, how heavy are the regulations? What's the cost of regulation? And we want to complement that with this doing cooperative business report that will evaluate countries based on a limited number of factors that are uniquely important to cooperatives. Can we deal in every kind of business, or are we prevented from being a bank? Are we prevented from being an insurance company? Can you not have cooperative insurance companies? Can you do business with the government, or, the, or is their procurement restricted somehow? So we're putting that in uh, that in play 
you know, that's fascinating. Um, we only have about five more minutes. So let me, let me tell you something, which I've said on this program before. Um, when I was a kid, people would ask me what you want to be when you grow up, and I would just shrug my shoulders. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So I took on that whatever I do, I want to do it with excellence. I want to strive for excellence. But about five years ago, as I learned about this co-op model, I, I finally know what I want to be when I grow up. And I, I, I'm 60. I'll be 68 this year. So at 63, I figured out what I want to be when I grow up. So I'm still looking to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first one is promote co-ops. I've already said that one. The second one is develop co-ops with an emphasis on housing co-ops. The third one is to start a school or something you mentioned earlier, get schools, existing schools to have classes in co-ops or or departments in co-ops. And the fourth one, and Dame Pauline Green liked this one, was to, is to uh, get money for ICA and the Federation of Southern Co-ops. Those are the two main mm-hmm. things I want to give to, plus I do some stuff with scholarship stuff, but that's the, the main that sort of thing. So uh, I, I just sold a building and I have some money I'm giving away. So if, with your budget, a couple thousand dollars is not much, but it's, that's what I've got in my list to give you guys. But just a bigger piece, I, I reached out to Cummings Engine Company, which I used to work for, which is an excellent company, and they give monies. And I reached out to a guy named Mark Levitt, uh, and he uh, they used to give money to the Federation of Southern Cooperatives. And now they've taken on a position of giving monies to the countries where they have uh, uh, plants. India's one of them. Mexico's one of them. And I tried to connect Mark Levitt to uh, President uh, Dame Pauline Green, but I think it's to you. I should be giving him his name so you can reach out and see it because he said they're looking for partners that can utilize the money that they give to help those countries. And so I think it's an ideal marriage if I can just get you two to, together for a date. <laughs> okay. I would love that. Well, I'm, I'm at uh, Gould at ICA.coop. If anybody wants to get in touch with me, it's G-O-U-L-D. But uh, particularly if they're giving money, money our, our, our direction, we certainly... Uh, we certainly have use for it. We actually have a, an endowment fund for Africa that uh, we've established that is well on its way and is to really make sure that the development in Africa, we know that there's going to be consolidation of land there and increase increasing productivity. And our concern is that that may go to the benefit of some large multinational corporations and some predatory states. And we'd like to make sure that, in fact, it benefits the the, the farmers in those in those communities. So we only have thirty seconds. So do you have a last comment to make, to everybody? Just, just that I think there must have been something in the air five years ago in Washington. So that's uh, that's about the same time, and that's where I was when I moved into this position. Uh, and it has been uh, it has been great. When you when you asked, uh, you mentioned about how how much you enjoyed working with cooperatives. Yeah. Um, I found that cooperatives are just an incredibly great group of people to work with. So I appreciate this opportunity to tell our story on your on your show. We'll do it again, buddy. Thank you so very much. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you next Thursday and uh, work cooperatively. 1450 WOL.